Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the New Testament book of Philippians. The New Testament book of Philippians and Philippians in chapter number 2. The book of Philippians and chapter number 2. We're marching through this wonderful epistle, often called the epistle of joy, because it talks about the joy that we have in Jesus Christ. But remember that the context of this is not that everything is going well and that there's rainbows and unicorns and puppies. But we understand that the Apostle Paul is writing this epistle from prison. And as his own testimony here, he doesn't know if he's going to live or if he's going to die. He doesn't know what's going to happen. There seems to be so many unknowns. But yet... We are never held down by our circumstances, but we look above our circumstances to our wonderful God. And as long as he's on the throne, we can joy in the Lord Jesus Christ, knowing whom he is. Now, the last time we had opened up together in the book of Philippians, we had finished a section in chapter number two, dealing with the mind of Christ and understanding that God has uh, desired for us to have the mind of Christ. Even so much, we understand the reasoning why at the end of verse number 12, that we're to work our, out our own salvation with fear and trembling. And remember that this phrase does not mean, am I saved? Am I not saved? This is such a serious thing. But in fact, it's dealing with the idea, why am I saved? Why did God put forth the effort to not only allow me to be born and create me, but why did God allow me to be saved? There was a purpose for it. You are not saved by accident. Think about all the work that God put into a soul winner to go witness to you. That all the work that God did to bring a pastor to a place where he's able to teach and to to help you and to point you up to the Lord. And that there was an investment in on a lot of things to bring you to the place of salvation and to teach you. And that it is a serious thing to find the good, perfect, and acceptable will of God. And that some people feel like the will of God is like, well, if I don't make it, no big deal. When in fact, it is a very, very big deal. That if you miss God's will for your life, you are not just affecting this life, but you are affecting the thousand year reign of Christ and you're affecting the rewards and what you're entrusted with during that time. Well, as we have that same context, having the idea that we are to have the mind of Christ, and we explained last time that the measuring stick of having the mind of Christ is behavior. That your behavior is going to be the, the watershed mark, the determination the, where you're able to prove to yourself or others to be able to look that you have the mind of Christ. It's one thing to say, I'm following after Christ. It's another thing for your behavior to match that. As we have that same mindset, notice with me in the book of Philippians chapter number 2. The book of Philippians chapter number 2, and notice with me in verse 14. The book of Philippians chapter 2 and verse 14. Do all things without murmuring and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless 
the sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as lights in the world holding forth the word of life that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain neither labored in vain yea and if <coughs> excuse me and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and the service of your faith I joy and rejoice with you all for the same cause also do ye joy and rejoice in me. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the book of Philippians chapter number 2. The book of Philippians chapter number 2 and notice with me in verse number 17. Notice the phrase service of your faith. Service of your faith. And with the Lord's help, as we have the backdrop of the mind of Christ, and as we have the mind of Christ, the next thing that follows because of that would be the service of your faith. The service of your faith. If you wouldn't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for the opportunity to open up your word. And I'm asking as you have allowed these folks to be in here for this time, and it, to be here for amongst the word of God for their hearing, I'm asking that you would open up this passage in a special way to understand that there is an expectation that goes along with the service of our faith to you. I'm asking that it would be clear, that it would be understood. And again, I dare not trust my own. So the best I know how I surrender myself to you and ask that you fill me with your precious spirit for the purpose that you get your own work accomplished through your precious word. And we love you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now as we already said before. That the backdrop is the mind of Christ. Remember. What was the mind that Christ had? That he put himself. In fact let's read it for ourselves. Verse number 7. But made himself of no reputation. And took upon him the form of a servant. Remember that the mind of Christ is the form of a servant. And that we explained quite a bit about this. So no wonder the next thing that follows out. If we have the mind of Christ. Then it's going to show up in our service of faith towards God. The first thing I'd like to show you here. Is that the service that we have for the Lord. Should be without complaining. The service that we have for the Lord. Should be without complaining. Notice with me in verse number 14. It says, do all things. Now remember, what does that word all mean? All. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. That word without is an important word. It carries with it the idea of isolation. So it says that your service for the Lord should be isolated, set apart from any type of murmuring or disputings. Now again, most of us find, if you are a typical American mindset, that when you get bored and have nothing else to talk about, you end up complaining. Whether it's about the weather or something, it's what we do for idle chit-chat. And so it's so ingrained in us that we just learn to complain about everything. It's too hot. It's too cold. The bugs are too much. We find something to complain about. 
Even inside of the Lord's work, we find something to complain about. Well, this isn't right, and this doesn't look right, and that guy looks ugly, and this guy's coat's stupid, and this. And we find something to complain about. We find something to find fault with. Remember as we had went through the life and ministry of Moses, that we had saw over and over the thing that God ended up punishing and sending judgment upon the people the most was complaining, murmuring. And we learn that every time we complain, every time we murmur, what we're saying is that God is not good and God is not right. And we're complaining about God. And so therefore, if we have the form of a servant, we're going to do what we're supposed to do with the mind of Christ. That means without complaining. Think about a servant who is hired to do a job. His responsibility is to do the job, not complain about the job. Well, that fails most of us, right? We go to work and we immediately find something to complain about. We have a different mindset because the Bible says to do all things. That just doesn't mean, well, all right, we're at church. No complaining. Well, you shouldn't be complaining about church. I mean, we had one time a lady who met visitors, brand new first time visitors at the back door. And as she, they were coming in, she would tell them everything wrong with the church and everything wrong with the pastor as they were sitting in. And we were wondering why people wouldn't stick around. Well, if she's not enjoying church, why should I come to that church? You know, that complaining. So we understand we're not supposed to complain at church. But the Bible says to do all things without, isolated from murmuring and disputings. Well, that all things includes your secular job. Those all things include chores at home. Those all things include homework given by the teacher. This is part of having that mind of Christ. That my job is a servant and my job is to do as I'm told from biblical authority. If biblical authority is a teacher and they give me homework, guess what God's good and perfect acceptable will for my life is? Homework. And I'm to rejoice in what God has given me to do. Now you say, wait a second, this isn't natural. That's exactly right. The mind of Christ causes us to behave differently than normal people. You say, well, I'm a normal person. That's what we're trying to put a thing in. This is what we're struggling with, is that we must have the mind of Christ. We must die to self and esteem others more than ourselves. We must have this idea because we have the Lord's testimony. Who am I a servant of? The Lord. Therefore, the service that I do, no matter where I am, should reflect that attitude. I am a servant of God and God has placed me at my job to do a work. I am to do it without murmuring and complaining. And notice the other word that's there, disputings. That word disputings carries the idea of argumentative. It carries the idea of getting in an argument fight over something. Well, how many times we at work try to fight over some little thing? Even if it's something silly as which way does the toilet paper roll go? Do you know there's big fights over that stupid thing? 
I mean, we find anything to fight over and we will. Even if it's things that don't matter, people want to go to task and want to go to war for. And we can make people miserable around this because I can't believe it. I had to go change all the toilet paper rolls because someone put it backwards and they should have put it forwards. Don't they know what they're supposed to do? And I'm being facetious, but we all can relate to it because we can all find something to complain about. But if we have the mind of Christ and we're service in God and that we say all things are done for God's service, that means the things that we do at home. Teenagers, go take out the trash. Why do I have to take out the trash? Well, your service of the Lord includes tasks that you are given to do. To do all things without, isolate it, separate it from any complaining, any disputes. Any murmurings set aside. The service we have for the Lord should be done without complaining. Notice as we go to a second thing. The service that we have for the Lord should be blameless and harmless. The service that we have for the Lord should be blameless and harmless. Notice with me again in verse 15. That ye may be blameless and harmless. Easy enough. That word blameless has a word picture without handholds. It means something we can't grab a hold of. Now if someone is to be blamed, it carries the idea that we could grab a hold of something and say, See, we as Christians, if we have the mind of Christ, should live in a type of way that, and have our service in a type of way that nobody can grab a hold of us and say, look, you're doing this wrong. Your attitude isn't right. They can't grab a hold of us on any way. That should be our service, that they can't accuse us. They can't blame us. Why? Because the testimony of Christ is on the line. Notice, if you don't mind, the next word here, the idea of harmless. The idea of harmless carries the idea to be sincere, to be harmless. Now, this doesn't mean that we don't share our beliefs, but we could do it in such a way that it, people know that, that we're not trying to hurt them with it. So many Christians behave in such a way that it hurts others. And by the way, where does this all show up from? Well, it comes when we're put under pressure. I can't tell you, or I'll tell you, honestly, the thing that drives me nuts the most, the time that I'm most embarrassed over church folks is when they're in the hospital. I cannot tell you how many times and how many different people I've had to do a hospital visit with and they're in there yelling at nurses, yelling at techs, being a poor testimony, complaining about everything. Let me tell you, the Bible says all things. And that we should be harmless. We should be consistent in our character no matter what. Just because you're hurting doesn't mean you have to be grumpy about it. That's wonderful thing about the joy of the Lord. We'll talk more about that in a second. But looking up to God. Now you say this isn't natural. The natural thing is to complain about them. Yes. We're talking about something that is uniquely different. Because we have the mind of Christ. How many Christians have been accused. Have been grabbed a hold. Have been blamed. Because they hurt others. With their attitudes. With their Knowledge. The Bible talks about in the book of Corinthians that knowledge puffeth up. 
And when Christians get a little bit of knowledge, they become big for their britches and they hurt people with what they know instead of help people with what they know. They like to beat them down. They like to point out all their flaws, point them out. I know more than you. Let me tell you where you're wrong. We hurt people. We're no longer harmless. We are harmful. Now, what's the answer to this? Well, notice verse 15 says this, that ye may be blameless and harmless. Notice this phrase, the sons of God. Now, remember, this is not natural. It is supernatural because we're a child of the king. People who are not saved do not live like this naturally. They find something to complain about and it's accepted. They find something to be grumpy with and it's accepted. We sympathize with people. Well, they're just hurting, so I understand why they're making people miserable. You don't have to make people miserable. What does it mean to be a son of God, by the way? Well, we understand that this is an event that the Bible calls being born again. Now, how is someone born again? Well, they recognize that, first of all, that they are a sinner. And because of their sin, they've offended a holy, righteous God. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. But the good news is, but the gift of God is through Jesus Christ our Lord. That God didn't want to see a single place person go to that awful place called hell. So what Jesus did is he robed himself in flesh and put upon him the form of a servant. And being found as a fashion of man, he, Jesus, humbled himself and became obedient unto death. Even the death of the cross. And he died on the cross for every man. And now when someone accepts Jesus as their savior. A wonderful thing happens that we become born again. And when we're born again we're born into God's family. We are sons and daughters of God. We're a child of the king. And by the way because we're a child of the king. We should behave like the child of a king. That there should be a way we behave. You remember, I don't know, the way that I was raised is when we would go on a field trip in school, they would gather us aside and say, all right, kids, you represent this school. And when you go out, you need to behave yourself because you're representing this school. You know, the same thing's true that if you call yourself a Christian, you are representing who Christ is. And you are the only... Uh, representative of Christ these people may never meet and how you behave is how they imagine Christ behave because you're a child of the king this is how the child acts this is probably what the parents have taught them and so we are supposed to live our life harmless blameless in fact notice in verse 15 again that you may be blameless and harmless the sons of God without rebuke. The word rebuke carries the idea to be able to correct someone. We should be in a type of way, live in a type of way where people don't pull us aside or they cannot pull us aside to rebuke us. Meaning not that we're not rebukable, that they could find nothing to rebuke us on. That we do our job to the best of our ability. That we do our job with the spirit that we should have. That we're kind and patient with others even if they believe different than us. That we 
the word of God convicts enough people that we don't have to add it with our bad attitude. We should be drawing people to the Lord rather than push them away. And that we should be at a place where we are not able to be rebuke, not because we're not rebukable, but because they can't find anything to rebuke us on. This is the type of life that we should live. Notice this, verse 15, that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. Notice where they're talking about. This isn't a good moral society. It's an immoral society. It is a wicked society. And we are to live good moral lives as unto the Lord without complaining, even though we are in the middle of a bunch of complaining people, a bunch of grumpy people, a bunch of hurting people. Remember, hurting people hurt people. And there's a lot of people hurting around us. And why do they lash out at work? Because they're hurting. And that we should be a type of people that live differently than them. Now remember, they are watching us. And they're observing us. And they see how we respond. How are we supposed to respond? What is the effect? Among whom ye shine as lights in the world. You see, the world is watching. And when we respond as poorly as they do, we're not a light. They're like, well, I thought they had something, but you know, it's not consistent. Remember, when we're put through trials and hard times, that's the proof that our life is different. Some of you may have heard me give this personal testimony before. If you haven't, <laughs> um, let me explain a little bit. There was a time when I was in the military and we lived on uh, Luke Air Force Base, and we had more. We have more fighter jets in Luke Air Force Base than anywhere else in the country or in the world. Over 200 jets in that one location, and we have some of the oldest jets within the fleets. It was used as a training base, and so pilots were flying all the time. And there happened to be a time where, um, for nine months straight, we had a jet fall from the sky. And when it crashed, there's a lot of things going on there. Now, in my job specifically, I had to drug test everyone who touched the plane within 24 hours. That's a lot of work because we have to get them assigned. We have to do the drug test. We have to find them. But on top of that, there happened to be one time in the middle of August. Not only did I have to do the drug test, but they also voluntold people to go pick up plane parts out in the middle of the desert. Now, if you're not familiar with Yuma, Arizona, where the plane happened to go down... It is hot. It was 120 degrees. And so they said, guess what? You, 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 you're picked. You're going to go pick up plane parts on a Saturday in the middle of nowhere. 120 degree temperature. Great. Wonderful. Oh, by the way, in full uniform too. So, all right. So we're going to pick up plane parts. And if you're not... <laughs> uh, for your divine imagination, when a plane falls, it doesn't fall straight down and then you have a nice little crater. It stretches out for miles because it takes a while for the plane to stop when it hits. And so we're picking up plane parts for several miles. They're out there with no roads. We have to make our own roads. So we're out in the middle of the desert. And I mean desert, I mean sand desert. 100 degree weather, there's no quick trips out there. There's no Whataburger, no McDonald's, no Slurpees, no Slushies. We're out there with whatever the Air Force gives us, where there's no roads, 
all day. No breaks. Well, you know, as much as break you could have in the middle of the desert with nowhere to sit on, nothing but cactus and desert and box lunches. And, and so I fell into the temptation, ruined my Saturday, and I complained like everyone else. Now, I happened to be an assistant to the pastor at the time, and so I should have done better. And the next Sunday, I go to church, and so now I'm cleaned up, desert sand off of me, ready for church. And I had a church member come up and said, you know, I was on that same detail as you. And they said, when I heard that I had the desert, desert thing, I was, was so bummed out, I was horrible. But then I said, guess what? Brother Scotty's there. And he's always happy, no matter what. I said, it's not going to be so bad. I'm going to hang out with him, and he's going to make it great. Instead, you complain like everyone else. And I became more discouraged because of you than what I was originally. Oh, you know what he was expecting from me? To have the mind of Christ. And to do all things without complaining without disputings to be able to do things and be blameless and harmless he was expecting me to do it with joy that was his expectation and instead of taking that out here was a saved person who was looking for it imagine how many people we could have influenced that was grumpy and horrible and have someone actually behaving like a christian out there we could have sought draw more people in. A light shining in a dark world. Missed opportunity. One that I've never forgotten. Because you're, just because you're hurting doesn't mean you have to be grumpy about it. And just because the circumstances aren't what you desire it to be. Doesn't mean you have to make people miserable around. Because God is still on the throne. Circumstances don't determine our joy. God determines our joy. Notice if you don't mind another thing. The service that we have for the Lord should be with the word of life. Notice with me verse 16. Holding forth the word of life. Why? That I may rejoice in the day of Christ. That I have not run in vain, nor labored in vain. We understand when people see the way, they will... <coughs> They will then be, turn, be willing to listen to what we have to say when they see us behaving differently. That our life will help set up us to be able to tell them what the Bible says. And it's the Bible that changed. If our lives are as attractive to Christ, then they'll be eager to hear what makes us different. But we have to be at a place where people want to listen to the Word of God. Someone said this, that you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. But you could put so in its oats. We're supposed to live in such a life that makes people thirsty for the Lord. There's something different about it. And it's all for the purpose that they could come to a, what is different about your life? Let me show you what the Bible says. Let me show you the answer. We're working to the opportunity where we can show them and they want to listen to us because they saw there's something different in our life. Now Paul, he wanted to approach the day of Christ, the rapture and the judgment of the Lord rejoicing because the church of Philippi 
was at a place where they were following after Christ. Again, notice with me if you don't mind in verse 16. Holding forth the word of life that I may rejoice in the day of Christ. That I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. He says, I've been giving you the word of God. It's the word of God that changes life. And I've been giving it to you because I know this is what changes life. And I'm invested in you. And I've taken time to teach you. And that as you follow after Christ. And you have the mind of Christ. And you're being a light. I'm rejoicing in you. Because the word has multiplied. You understand this word of God works. And it changes lives. By the way the people don't need my thoughts and opinions. They need the word of God. They need God's word. Also as a reminder. You know what Satan's job has always been? What his purpose has always been? To cause people to doubt God's word. And remember, as we see in Genesis 3, he is subtle. You know, if Satan came in here with his pitchfork and, and, and a thing, and in the images people think of him, and comes in here and says, the Bible's not true, we would all ignore the message. Of course it's true. We would defend it. But Satan's always subtle. That's how the Bible describes him. And he does it in such a way that you don't even realize that he's attacking the word of God. And gets us so we could cause doubt on God's word. Yea, hath God said. And if he could make a little niche here. And if he could cause a little doubt here. It's going to start building on it until someone is no longer trusting in God's word. By the way, that also includes our life. That the greatest evidence that biblical Christianity is true. The greatest evidence that what we say about the Bible is true. Is the evidence of a changed life. Being different is not the goal. Be, God is the goal. But as we follow after God we will be different. That's evidence that the Bible is working. And Satan wants to do everything to can. To get the word of God to be in doubt. To be its disused. To cause people to not to dismiss it. And then people's lives are not changed at all. They need God's word. The service that we have for the Lord should be with the word of God. Which brings me to one more thing. The service that we have for the Lord should be with rejoicing. The service that we have for the Lord should be with rejoicing. Notice with me if you don't mind in verse 17. Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and the service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. Now again, Paul is seeing these converts in the church of Philippi as the living sacrifice that he, he had spoken of in Romans chapter 12, or verses 1 and 2. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present yourselves, your bodies, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind. There's that word mind again. That you may prove the good, perfect, and acceptable will of God. You see, the mind of Christ is effect, affects our behavior of Christ. And as the people have the mind of Christ, they are living their lives that are blameless, harmless, without disputings, without murmurings, living in a life that points up to Christ. By the way, that type of life also is going to result in the rejoicing. Notice again in verse number six, uh, 17. And yea, if I be offered upon the sacrifice and the service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. For the same cause also do ye joy and rejoice with me. Now remember, joy is not happiness. 
people try to put that definition. The Bible is not expecting us, or God's not expecting that no matter what circumstance, we have a silly thing on our face. We just got in our car accident and we're smiling all weird like. The idea of joy is a peace that passeth all understanding. And remember that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Where does our joy come from? From God. As we know him and we know more about him. He provides the joy. And that gives us the strength of knowing whom he is. That we are not to live under the circumstances. There was a famous evangelist by the name of John R. Rice. And after he preached at a seminar once. Some preachers lined up and they were getting his Bible signed. And a preacher came up who... John Rice knew, and he asked the preacher, oh, how are you doing? Well, the man, preacher said, well, I'm doing all right under the circumstances. Dr. John Rice looked under, over his glasses and said, what are you doing under them? You understand, we don't have to be under the circumstances. We're supposed to be above the circumstances, looking unto God. The circumstances do not determine our joy. Christ determines our joy. That as long as He's sitting on the throne, as long as He's eternal God, as long as He changes not, we can trust Him and depend upon Him and know that He is always good and know that He is always right. And our joy comes from Him, not our circumstances. We cannot allow our circumstances to put us on an emotional roller coaster. Happy, not happy, not happy, not happy. Joy, not joy. Miserable, depressed. You understand? That's not the life that God gave us. The joy of the Lord is our strength and we can rejoice in all things. In all things. By the way, that's the opposite of complaining. Praise the Lord, someone put the toilet paper on. It may not have been the way that I would do it, but praise the Lord, they gave an attempt. There's so many things you could turn that complaining to rejoicing. How can you rejoice in this? Hey, you know what? They may not be the best employee, but I'm glad that they're here. Better than nothing, most times. Praise the Lord, at least they have a job. You know what? They, they may have never been taught. Praise the Lord that they have the opportunity to learn how to work right. You know what? I'm in the hospital, but praise the Lord that I'm alive and that God is seeing me. And he's placed me in a place where I can let the light shine. And that he's placed me here to witness to all these, uh, to the nurses. You understand? There is something you could rejoice in all things. Praise the Lord. I have the opportunity to shine my light, picking up plain parts in the middle of the desert and show everyone that there's a God who's real in my life. Rejoice in all things. Paul is in prison. And he's telling them that you could rejoice in me knowing that I'm going to be looking up to God. You don't have to be fretting. I wonder if Paul's going to make it or not. Paul says, I'm going to be fine because I'm going to be looking up to God. And I'm trusting that you're going to be looking up to God and we could rejoice together because our God is real and he's on the throne and we could do all things with rejoicing. Now again, this is an extension of having the mind of Christ. The measuring stick of we have, whether we have the mind of Christ or not. Is in our behavior. Specifically our service for God. And everything that we should do. Should come out of our worship of God. Praise the Lord. My teacher saw me fit to give me homework. I could rejoice in this. I probably think that they're trying to learn me something. Maybe I might learn it today. Praise the Lord, my parents trust me enough to allow me to take out the trash. 
could be worse. They can trust you with nothing. That you could even bungle out taking out trash. At least you're trusted enough to take out trash. Praise the Lord, they're trying to teach me responsibility. There's something to praise God on, no matter what. It's almost like the old lady who was praying for her daily bread and that God would provide bread for her all the time. And some uh, rascals had heard her praying all the time for bread and God would supply it. So they said, you know what? We're going to show her. And so they went and set some bread outside of her door one day and they knocked on the door and left and the lady came out and saw the loaf of bread. Praise the Lord God! You answered prayer! Well, they came out from behind the building and said, nah, it wasn't God, it was us. She goes, praise the Lord that you would use devil's children to supply for your saints. You could rejoice in everything. No matter what it is. Now, let me give you a warning. You're going to be tested on this. Maybe as soon as tomorrow. That you're going to get to work and somebody's going to do something foolish. Someone's going to cut you out in traffic. Your tire may be flat. It may snow. Who knows? It's Wisconsin. And you're going to be tested to see... If you're going to complain or not. If you're going to look up to God or if you're going to look at the circumstances. If you're going to have the mind of Christ and take upon you the form of a servant. Of no reputation. Or are you going to complain? And remember when you're complaining you're saying God is not good. And God is not right. You see your two choices are to say God is good and God is right. Or say God is not good and God is not right. You either rejoice or you complain about everything. Do you have the mind of Christ? Now, that's a good question. Because if you're not, let me tell you, you can. Now, it could be that you don't even know for sure that, if, that you're forgiven of your sins. Let me tell you, that could be fixed tonight. It'd be my privilege to take the Bible and to show you from the Bible how you can know without a doubt that your sins are forgiven and that you can be right with a holy God who loves you. But for those of you who are saved, let me tell you, you can have the mind of Christ. And may I tell you that this doesn't happen naturally. It doesn't happen by accident. It happens on purpose. You have to choose to follow after Christ. You have to choose to rejoice in God. You have to choose not to complain about your circumstances, but see that God is still good and God is still right. Remember, you are going to be tested on this without a doubt before this week is over. How you decide now can actually help quite a bit about how well you rejoice or complain in the next several days. Do you have that mind of Christ? Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three zero eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero. 
6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.